Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And a throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. It don't get no better than that, man. Throws the deep ball and it's wide open. Inside the 30, Lovett makes a move. They'll stretch the field to the wide side. Here's Burden, the elusive freshman. Stays on his feet. He will take it to the end zone. What a drive for Missouri. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? Well, Colin, we are officially two weeks out from college football starting for our Missouri Tigers. We're recording this Thursday night on the 17th, and Missouri and South Dakota will face off Thursday night game, 7 p.m., and football will be underway. It hardly seems possible that it's two weeks out, but here we are. I'm, I'm all chubbed up. I'm ready to go. It has been a chub-full week, wouldn't you say? I mean, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I think that's the only way to describe it. It's <laughs> chubberific. <laughs> yeah. Eli Drinkwitz has uh, injected a fresh dose of Viagra into the fan base, I'd say, with a big recruiting signing. Williams and Juan Airy from Lee Summit, five-star defensive end. I mean, everybody outside of the Missouri vicinity expected this kid to go to Oklahoma. You know, Colin, I had complained. I know Twink Caleb had complained that maybe Eli Drinkwitz, his recruiting took off like a shot when he first started the first couple of years here, but it had sort of waned and he was just having more average Missouri recruiting classes. And I feel like this injected like I said, Viagra, or just a shot of adrenaline into the fan base right before the season starts. It's exactly what Eli Drinkwitz needs, a guy who had been talked about as a bubble candidate for uh, coaches this year. So, I mean, it's a huge get for the Tigers and just changes, I feel like, the momentum going into the season. Yeah, it's it's clear that Drink is living on recruiting right now. I mean, he doesn't, as you pointed out, even have as many wins as uh, – Barry Odom to this point, you know, he's, he's not had a lot of success as a coach, honestly. I mean, you know, it's been very mediocre, but his recruiting has been better than mediocre. And at some point though, it's got to start paying off. But I, I think that 
you know, you had mentioned that his recruiting kind of fell off. And though it has been up and down, I went back and started looking at the recruiting numbers, at least what I could find on 247 Sports. And between Odom and um, Drinkowitz, and like I said, I Drink has been much better. And th- I, th- I could be wrong, but this is what I found. Yeah, how, how many five-star recruits do you think Odom got in his in his time as the Mizzou football coach? Well, I think he was coach for four years. And I, if I'm correct, I think that number sits at zero. Yes, he now he had he inherited two freshman five stars and Beckner Jr. and uh, Drew Locke, mm-hmm. but um, those were not his recruits. How many four stars do you think he had in his entire time as Mizzou's head coach? I would say, just guessing, three. He had six. He had six. Okay, yeah. So I undershot Barry Odom. Yeah. He doubled. Yeah, he doubled you. And well, I, memory I fades. Star, but how many? How many three stars, Brennan? Do you think he had? Oh, I think we had a, a boatload of three stars. I'd say forty. Eighty-four. Okay, again, exactly rosters, half of what Barry Odom actually did. I really remember his, his him poorly. Rosters were made of three stars. Yeah, that's um, right. So, and and here's the big number. And of course, things have changed from the Odom to Drink era. But how many transfers do you think he had in his tenure? Oh, I bet it was not a ton. I'd say over four years, twenty. Four. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. But like I said, I, now the game has changed. Transfers are now just willy-nilly so that's that's a little not you know uh, apples to apples comparison now drink how many five stars do you think he's had two he has had two and if you, this website actually gave him a third one with theo weiss as a five-star transfer but i don't i didn't count transfer stars uh but he has had two how about four-star recruits now remember barry odom had six 20 he had exactly 20 yeah four-star recruits and how many three-star recruits? 100. He has had 67. Okay. <laughs> so basically, he took, you know, Barry Odom had 84 three-stars, and Drinkwitz had 67, but he had 24 stars to make up that balance, plus 30 transfers in his time, most of which are either graded out as either three or four stars. Some of them get better grades as they go through the, the, uh, their careers, but again, I didn't, I didn't get into the transfer star system but Drinkwitz has been you know in the four star realm you know six to for Odom 20 for Drinkwitz I mean that's like I said I, I get it that you know they're both their their records don't uh, don't really change much or don't have much difference considering the talent that Drinkwitz supposedly is is recruiting I know I've made the, the analogy that they're they're both building something out of Lego blocks. One person has name brand Legos. One person has off brand Legos, but they're both building a turd at this point. Um, one just happens to have fancier toys. <laughs> and now Drinkowitz, I mean, this is the season he's got to start paying off because t- six, four stars to 24 stars. Uh, he, that's got to be worth something. But to this point, he hasn't even been as good as Barry Odom. That's right. I mean, in the first two seasons, I think one, any coach you hire is going to get a little bit of a pass uh, the first season or two, certainly in a program like Missouri. And then last year, you got, you know, that's when you're going to, your guys coming in, but they're freshmen. And in a world, even in a world of college football in 2023, where people expect immediate results, you can only expect so much out of freshmen. But now we're sitting with these guys and they're going to make up the bulk of the team. The bulk of the team are Eli Drinkwitz recruits. 
you got guys like Luther Burton who expectations are just astronomical for and has proven himself to be an amazing athlete. We've seen bits and pieces of it last year. Then you have a whole other situation, of course, with the quarterback at Sam Horn. Four-star guy, expectations, again, high, especially building off of several years in a row where the quarterback position has been very weak. And so you kind of have your hope pinned on a guy like Sam Horn. But he's not playing. You know, he may not start at all based on all the tea leaves look like. So you got to hope some of these guys, and the, I'm just mentioning the guys in the sort of skill position, but even the guys in the trenches, it's their time to shine, and it's time for those stars to turn into something like wins. And, you know, Colin, we went through game by game last time we uh, recorded, and I was like way more optimistic than I expected to be. I think I was eight and four, but then I was looking back at our predictions, and given all the hype that's building and all the opportunity that exists this year, I wanted to turn back my optimism a little bit because I feel like in one case I was like, oh, Missouri, they can't beat Kansas State until they can show me they can beat Kansas State. But then Kentucky, I was like, ah, they're going to beat Kentucky. Well, I feel like, no, they need to show me they can beat Kentucky too. So I'm not as excited. I think seven and five is more realistic than my eight and four prediction last time we recorded. But that being said, if these guys start to prove themselves, this team could look a lot better quickly and hopefully, I mean, drink needs it. For God's sake, drink needs it. You know, as we'd have all the five stars we want this week announcing to Mizzou, but none of it's going to help in season 2023. And if 2023 tanks, all those guys are either going to transfer out or they're going to be playing under another coach at Mizzou. So um, it's good for momentum, but we got it has to turn into wins to some degree this year. Yeah, and I was, you know, when I was looking through all those numbers and, you know, basically I had zeroed out a couple people that from each recruiting class that are currently like big parts or have been big parts of the program in the past. And a lot of them were the three-star guys. You know, I think of a guy like Tavarius Jones who didn't, who redshirted last year, didn't sniff the field. And I haven't heard much, if anything, about him this offseason. You know, it's all Cody Schrader, um, you know, and th- that's a four-star recruit that we haven't seen even a whiff of. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was so shocked to see Elijah Young was a four-star. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he could barely find the field. Yeah. And so that, the only thing that worried me when I saw that was like, is, does that mean they were just, they're over, right. You know, over ranked or does Drinkwitz not how to coach a quarter or running backs? Because, you know, right now, listen, Cody Schrader's fine. He's fine. Brennan. I love that kid. He's fine. He's a fine young man. And, uh, he is fine. And he may be better than fine this year, but, I think he's definitely another guy like Cook, where you can certainly see the ceiling. He's the floor is not super duper low, but the ceiling is not super duper high. If you go a few years back, he's Ish Witter. Yeah, um, you know he's fine. Fine. Uh, yeah, Witter was fine. It, it would really, really help to have somebody who's electric back there. You know, when I was looking at again through those players, I saw a Roundtree. I thought, oh, what I wouldn't give for a Roundtree right now. And, uh, of course, Tyler Beatty. And then I thought, oh, man, how do you miss with a Tyler Beatty? That guy was phenomenal. And I'm just like, we don't have anybody on our roster. He was even sniffing that level of play right now from I, the running back position. I, and, man, I, for as much as we've talked about the quarterback, running back is starting to worry a little bit. I mean, if we're going to run Brady Toughheart Cook out there, we're better have somebody worth handing the rock to. Well, that, I think it speaks to maybe not necessarily the personnel either, Colin, but just the fact that Drinkwitz hasn't been able to run an offense, even though he is an offensive coach. 
<laughs> you can't run and you can't throw. You can't play offense, right? And so to this point, we've been mediocre on both fronts. It does make me wonder. Well, but I mean, you can say that about his offense, Brennan, but granted, I, he's not been the offensive innovator we hoped he was. But Tyler Bay didn't have any trouble running all over uh, in this offense. And yeah. so that's why, despite his shortcomings, we need a, a running back doesn't need a offensive game plan that's all world. And maybe this new offensive coordinator will bring us that anyway. But for as much as we've talked and worried about the quarterback, I think there are questions at the running back position. I think everybody is in such a rah-rah mood right now. They're like, hey, Cody Schrader's okay. We're just fine at running back. And I'm like, no, if Cody Schrader is your guy, you're not great at running back. And that's not a knock on Cody Schrader. It's just you would love to – Cody Schrader is not fucking Beatty. He's not Roundtree. He's not Crockett. Um, and also I like – I just and maybe again he'll prove me wrong this season, but I I'm a little bit concerned if if he's if Schrader's the uncontested starter getting the majority of the snaps, then that's another sort of ding and drink with his armor because we should honestly have do better than Cody Schrader. Yeah, it makes me wonder what would have become of Nate Pete or what might become of Nate Pete had he not had such a you know horrible, horrible fumble against Auburn and just destroyed <laughs> just destroyed him and his confidence. I mean, just, just yeah. and really dismantled the, that young man. And the, honestly, the team, you know what I mean? The season, he destroyed the season. That's <laughs> a terrible thing to say, but like we beat Auburn on the road, even in a bad year for Auburn. You hang your head on that a little bit. You know, a guy like Eli well, Drinkowitz says, hey, you know what? I beat LSU the year after they won the national championship and I beat Auburn at home. I'm not so bad. So it was pretty devastating, and I, it's it was one of the most devastating losses as a well, Tiger fan. I think fan. what you're alluding to by bringing Nate Pete up is that Nate Pete was easily a more electric, athletic, talented runner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it wasn't even close. That doesn't make Schrader bad. I'm not saying he's bad. Don't don't get mad at me, Buffalo Bill, if you're listening. I'm not shitting on her, on on him. I just it was pretty clear that uh, Nate Pete was just. I mean the better running back if he could hold on to the damn ball. But I guess that's that being such a huge component of being a running back, I guess he's not as good as Cody Schrader because Cody Schrader could hang on the ball. Maybe that is the most important skill to have. Do you think but, they're going to whip out my Cox this year? Boy, I don't know if Mike Cox is ever going to come out. You know, I don't – he off the bench, you know. He just uh, – my um, Cox seems to be just stuck. We've got my Cox at hand, you know, right in our hand. And uh, yep. I don't know if – I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a platoon system. When you've got a guy like Corey Schrader, I don't know if he can take all the snaps. I don't know how much running will be a part of this offense this year under a new offensive coordinator. But certainly, you know, you're looking at a guy like Nate P. You're looking at a guy like Cody Schrader, and you know you've got your hands all over my Cox. you got those guys. Well, anyway. And then there's Tavoris Jones. Though. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, who knows what he can do because much like all Drinkwitz recruits, doesn't play. All my concerns, like most Mizzou fans, rest on the offense, obviously. it's Nobody knows who the quarterback's going to be. And, and truthfully, I mean, nobody's even seen the offense yet. You know, yeah. well, Thank God Chase Daniels actually showed up to a Drinkwitz practice. And for the publicity of it, they, act, they showed Chase Daniel watching our quarterbacks throw. So we actually got to see part of practice. It was great. <laughs> For all our hand-wringing about the quarterback, Colin, I, I wonder if we should be doing more hand-wringing about our offensive line because that affects both the running backs and the quarterback play. Yeah, maybe. I. And they weren't great last year. They weren't great. 
you know, I can tell we're getting close to season because I'm starting to have too much optimism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is an irrational level of optimism. I'm just assuming everything is going to go fine. And the reason I know that is because I hear so much glowing shit about Brady Toughheart. But mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know what? Maybe Brady Toughheart does have what it takes. Maybe he's going to be the best. Maybe he's going to be great. And then I'm like, you've seen Brady Toughheart play, Colin. <laughs> and yes, uh, your but, eyes aren't didn't see you. But hey, listen, anybody can improve. But but hey, man, I'm starting to I'm starting to buy on Brady Toughheart. Well, you, I mean, we, I guess we're going to have be forced to because obviously we all want the best quarterback to play because that means the best chance to win. I asked all year long last year whether Eli Drinkwitz was capable of judging talent because he was playing Brady Cook. And then when we found that Brady Cook was injured all last season, it only reinforced my fears that maybe Eli Drinkwitz can't gauge talent. And what we're hearing now is obviously, I think they said today that Brady Cook was announced as a captain. It looks like Brady Cook is getting almost all of the first string snaps in practice. All indicators show that this is going to be a Brady Cook-led offense. And we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that maybe Sam Horn just isn't good enough. And maybe he's a flop. I he, mean, the rumor he'd is, have is to that be. he's a fucking flake. So maybe he's just a fucking flake. Maybe he, he's got all the talent in the world and he's got his head up his fucking ass. I don't know. None of us know anything about these teams anymore because they don't talk about anything. But one thing we can say is that this guy came in, highly touted, four-star kid, very, very athletic. Everybody says he's the most athletic quarterback prospect we have on the team. Yet Brady Cook's going to be the starter. And we didn't see a healthy Brady Cook last year, so I am willing to give Brady Cook the benefit of the doubt there. Like, oh, but, Brady Cook's Dogecoin right now, Brent. I'm buying. <laughs> and we know that Brady Cook can what run. What could go wrong? You know, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Invest heavily in Cook coin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. But, yes. you know, it's disappointing to me because it means that either – Eli can't coach up a guy like Sam Horn or that Sam Horn was misjudged when they recruited him because he should be able to, as a four-star recruit in his sophomore season, outcompete Brady Cook. We'll see. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if we start struggling in game one, uh, maybe we won't see as much of Cook, but everything Eli Drinkwitz has shown us is it doesn't matter how bad you do. You keep playing at quarterback. Well, and I want to, I want to, um, take people back to the rewind machine when we had a good quarterback like a Drew Locke and what that meant in games like this. You scored 70 fucking points. Yeah. Okay? That's right. So I want to make sure we set the bar where it belongs because we've in the Drinkwitz era, we've had these games where we beat up on small schools, but they worried me because we scored 43 points. Yeah. And so if Brady Cook goes out there and throws three touchdowns, scores 43 points, and you know, South Dakota scores seven. I won't be happy with that because if you're not scoring 70 on a team like that or getting close to it, that's 70 may be too much. Yeah, that was Missouri we, State. But you need to be in that. You need to be in that 50 burger range to be comfortable, you know. And if you're not there, that worries me. I think that's the problem. Is is that you win, you win a game 50 to 11. And everybody's like, Brady Toughheart. Yeah. <laughs> cook coin. Yeah, he didn't. He looked pretty. A cook coin looked pretty promising. Yeah. I grant you that against the team, but he didn't look, he didn't score enough, which means he didn't move the offense enough, which means he didn't do well enough. I guess I'm pointing out to the fans in my very negative way that there's a way to be disappointed even by winning with 50 points in Brady Cook. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, 
I mean, if he scores, if, he's, if it's got, you know, if it's 36 to 6, that, I, disaster. That's a fucking disaster. It is. And you have to put up 50 burgers against non-Kong teams if you expect to have a great season. I mean, to me, you can fumble around the first two games. Middle Tennessee is not a joke. You got to beat them. But Kansas State, playing them again, they're going to be number 16 in the country. They embarrassed us last year. It is one of the games where I jumped off the Eli Drinkwitz bandwagon because we got so embarrassed by a team that we should have been prepared for, frankly. And this will be a telling game. And it's early in the season. It's a classic 11 a.m. Missouri start time at home. If we can somehow turn it around to the point where we actually beat a ranked Kansas State team after what they did to us last year, I'm going to start buying in a lot more and pretty fast. But it's a big ask because <laughs> K-State is going to be good and they're going to be tough to beat. And I don't, we don't know anything about this offense. We just don't know who is starting at running back or quarterback. Two of the most important positions on the team. The frustrating thing to me last year is we had a weapon in Luther Burden that was completely neutered by lack of quarterback play. And not just quarterback play, but offensive line play. I mean, our offensive line was horrible last year. He was hurt. He was getting eaten up. He had no chance to be a good quarterback. Maybe, maybe, maybe this year he'll have opportunities he didn't have. He'll have a year of experience under his belt. I'm going to give Cook the benefit of the healthy shoulder. But if he looks terrible against Kansas State, I'm going to say, well, I've seen enough Cook to know he's just terrible. And then... and maybe terrible is too strong, but well, like I said, I, not good enough. He's been, yes, that's a better word. For, I hate to say terrible. Like you put him on a division three squad. He's going to be fucking all conference, but I just, I have a hard time after watching what I watched last season, believe he's a starting SEC division one quarterback. Maybe it was all the torn labor though. Like I said, I, I'm buying cook coin, Brennan, because yeah. he was hurt. And you know, I'm just, Eternally optimistic right now. And listen, for all of our negative bitching, nothing would make me happier than to have Brady Toughheart make me eat the hugest, beefiest plate of crow ever. Mm -hmm. Now, if he wins 10 games and is all SEC at quarterback, I will happily eat crow. (laughs) I don't think you got to worry about that. That's a a big plate. I know. I'm just saying. I'll let. Buffalo Bill, come on the podcast and kick me in the nuts live on the air if we do it. Mm-hmm. But that's how how happy I'll be with Brady Cook. Hey, Brendan. Yeah. Now that we've uh, beat up on Brady Cook, as we always like to do, do you think we should talk about how butthurt people got about Drinkowitz's recruiting win? Yeah. I, Colin, part of me wondered if we had enough to put together a sour grape segment in and of itself about that because – it does seem like Missouri has a reputation around the country, I guess, certainly around the SEC, but that we should never, nothing good should ever come to us, ever. <laughs> and if it does... Poverty program. If it does, a grave injustice has happened. It was really weird. Oliver Sadwell. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we are Oliver Sadwell. But after the big recruiting win for Eli Drinkwitz, the, it certainly... A lot of the Oklahoma fan base thought it was a done deal. I guess there was a guy named Parker Thune. Are you familiar with this joker? I've seen him on Twitter. Yeah. That's where he lives, I think. He lives in a little house on Twitter lane. (laughs) And uh, he's a rivals guy for Oklahoma. I guess he's their Gabe DeArmond. Well, we know rivals guys are great. (laughs) They're they're top-notch dudes. 
totally not Papa's ass faces. But anyway, yeah, he does some sort of dumb Oklahoma radio and a dumb Oklahoma rival site, and he's a dumb guy on a dumb Twitter page. Um, anyway, he has in his uh, bio Heisman voter, so be impressed, everybody. Good for you! And he was basically saying that it's a done deal. The kid's coming to Oklahoma. Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. And then he pouted on Twitter after he was dead wrong and everybody. One thing I will say about the Mizzou fan base, at least the online fan base, that I've been very impressed with since I think Dennis Gate woke them up like a Frankenstein monster, (laughs) is that when we beat your team or if anything good happens to us, we just become fucking... We're Call of Duty teabagging the internet. (laughs) You're just monsters to them. And so everybody went after Parker Thune, deservedly so, because he was leading the bandwagon for this guy's coming to Oklahoma and Missouri's a joke and don't worry about Missouri. I saw Missouri guys putting pictures of this Parker Thune's wedding, but putting Eli Drinkwitz's face over him (laughs) next to his wife, which I was so happy about. I think that's wonderful. (laughs) That's terrific. That's just terrific. Good things. Good things. Anyway, he was just sort of leading the charge for Oklahoma. But it wasn't just Oklahoma fans who were like crying sour grapes. It was a lot of the college football world saying, what the fuck, Missouri? I guess you hate winning. And shit like that where it's like, I don't know, Tennessee. Tennessee's the worst because they've had two good years, a year and a half of good. And they forget (laughs) that the last 20 years have been not as good as Missouri. So yeah. uh, I don't want to hear it from them, uh, but like <laughs> lots of people were just completely baffled by the fact that this kid would go and come and play at Mizzou. And I'm like, are we not a Division One program in the SEC? I mean, even if like even if a <laughs> Vanderbilt gets a five star kid, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. It's a good school, you know. Like it's it's crazy the way that people were shocked by it. So I was very glad to see Missouri fans hop all over the uh, Oklahoma naysayers and just dance on their grave. Well, Brendan, I, I, you know, intrepid uh, Zodcast journalist Jay Bryan did send us several mm-hmm. via DM. Should uh, I play the uh, intro then? Yeah, I think you should. What you got there, sour grapes? You got a grip of sour grapes. Oh, them sour grapes. You brought them sour grapes. Sour grapes, sour grapes. You got them sour grapes. Oh, sour grapes. You brought a grip of sour grapes. <laughs> Lead on, Colin. All right, Brennan. So Josh at All Vols 247 wrote, Hope the NIL money offsets playing for a poverty program like Mizzou. Sour grapes. Yeah, poverty uh, program. We've heard it before. Yeah, I don't know what makes it a poverty program. I'm not sure that they even understand the parameters of what a poverty program is. Because sometimes it has nothing to do with money. Yeah, And most of the times, the stuff they accuse us of for being poverty programs isn't even true. And you're just like, oh, they've just never been to campus. Like Mizzou, like practiced on a dirt field and their stadium holds 7,000 people. Yeah. Oh, I saw one of the guys like, didn't they get a five-star recruit two years ago when he transferred out and never played? And they're like, nope, that never happened. Luther Burden is right here <laughs> on our team. Yeah. So thank you for your lie. I guess you can just say anything. That's right. That's right. Justin Gloss at Electric Gloss wrote, that won't last long. Mizzou will go four and eight, maybe five and seven, and he will flip to OU. <laughs> like, this is just nonsense fever dream. You know, I'm like, this is just like, oh, this is what I want to happen. I'm so trying to speak it into existence. 
what was that book that all like, those chicks read in the 2000s? Like, uh, what is the secret? Or like, you just thought about stuff and you make vision boards and shit and you thought it was going to come true. This guy's got a picture, or like a poster of Kim Kardashian's asshole, this football player, and uh, like a ham sandwich on a vision board hanging in his room. He's like, man, it's going to happen. I just got to be positive. Just got to think about it. <laughs> Which of those three things rank them in order of attainability? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> listen, listen, honestly, the ham sandwich probably, but you know, Kim Kardashian does seem to throw it around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Steve McVeigh writes, Congratulations, you'll be the best guy on an awful team. Those are the people that disappear over the course of a couple, two, three years. So he's going to just disappear as a result of kind of Mizzou, just so you know. Sour grapes. Yeah. He's going to cease to be. Colin, you watch a lot more NFL than I do, but correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of times where the guys played for has no correlation as to where they will be as far as – I mean – where did Josh Allen go to school again, Colin? Uh, Wyoming. We played him. So, he, but he so then he he just was gone after a couple of years. Nobody ever heard of him again. Yeah. Well, I I think in this case he's he, he's talking more like about football. He's a five star recruit, but you know he'll disappear because he plays for Mizzou. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like the Mizzou's a better place to not disappear. I think that's half the way these guys get recruited to a place like Mizzou. Like, yeah, you can go be the fifth five star guy on on Alabama's line. And just be completely anonymous, or you can come to Mizzou and be a fucking star and make some NIL money. Yeah. And not be the freshman at the end of the fucking line of five star recruits who nobody gives a fuck about. You know, come to Missouri now, make money, go to Alabama, hope in three years you can build your profile high enough that someone will give you some money. Well, and keep in mind, too, like a guy like Brady Cook can be the big Provel cheese at Emo's Pizza here. You know what I mean? Sure. And, you know, if you're in Alabama, you, maybe you're like, I'm sure if you're a five-star recruit, there's enough, and it's such a national brand that, you know, you'll get the biggest trailer park or, you know, you'll get the biggest <laughs> mobile home sales. The hot tub dealer. Well, yes, they will, you know, they're probably going to finally say, Brody Croyle, it's time to move on. Yeah. You know, uh, you, we loved you, we lo but we got a new recruit we need to slap on our hot tubs <laughs> put out behind our trailers. Hot tubs, mobile homes, wave runners. You'll be <laughs> the face of all these things for sure. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But you don't have to yep. compete against that in Missouri. I mean, you, you can be... You, know, you can have your own bag of chips here. You don't have to be the face of a payday loan slash smoking shop. <laughs> That's right. The other thing about this, uh, not to interrupt our sour grape segment, uh, but a lot of the Oklahoma guys licking their wounds are chalking all, this all up to Missouri's new NIL law that was passed recently in the state legislature shepherded in by former Mizzou football player Curtis Gregory. And I don't know. I mean, it may be, you know, his inability to make money right now by committing to Mizzou probably was a significant factor. But if I'm not mistaken, the Texas and Oklahoma laws aren't that different. Now, I get it. This impacts him because he's a Missouri resident. And it wouldn't, they can't do it in the same way because he's not an Oklahoma resident. But it's, we're not alone in having these laws. I think we're in the front forefront of it, and it's been benefiting us. Yeah. But I don't I think, know. Uh, to, to chalk it all up to that, I mean, I, you got to give Drinkwood's credit with his recruiting. I mean, he's clearly, for all his faults, and there are many, and I am not a lover of the Drinkwood system, the guy can land the big get. And he's, I mean, this is, he's shown yeah. it here. Brennan, mm -hmm. Brent Van Goat said, LOL, NIL has ruined college sports. 
sour grapes. No, if I would laugh out loud if I knew that that was if I truly felt that was the case. Yeah, I love college sports. Like, oh, I hate for it to be over. It's ruined now. I, I I loved it, and it's awful now. LOL. The, you know the, I mean? It's like my grandma died. LOL. This thing I love died. It's not working anymore. LOL. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> It doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> Grandma, LOL. Mr. Anthony, you have cancer, LOL. <laughs> I, uh, Michael Bratton, the guy who runs the SEC Mike account, um, he had a good point where he said, you know, is, it, is college football better when the same three teams win every year? Or is it better when there is some more parity? And if this new law or if NIL or whatever gives teams like Missouri an opportunity to compete against the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Oklahomas, then why is that worse necessarily? You know what I mean? I get it. If you're not a Missouri fan, you you don't have any interest in Missouri, but it's always more interesting when the pool is wider. Gatlin Dallas says, they don't need, you don't need to worry about it, Brendan, because he, Gatlin says, he ain't signing there, bro. These kids Sour. like football. They like to win. He'll end up signing with OU. Sour grapes. Yeah. Again, another vision board candidate. Yeah, <laughs> just say it and make it so. <laughs> yeah, these guys have been reading the secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Meese agrees. He said, "I roll, I roll, I roll." Emoji. He won't end up signing there. Sour Again, grapes. Vision board out. Whose assholes on yours? <laughs> uh, Todd Parker wrote, "Hang on, Sooner fam. That was only the halftime show. December is a long way away." He used extra ends in the word long, mm-hmm. so you could stretch it out. <laughs> well, I get it. I get it. Gone. I'd like to say, I mean, a lot of people put Margot Robbie's asshole on the vision board, but there's also a big talk that she's mid these days. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to say. And I'm going to tell you why. Because people don't understand how good-looking celebrities are, kind of like they don't understand how big and physically imposing a professional athlete is. So imagine you're just in your local bar and Margot Robbie walks in. Mm-hmm. She would be the most attractive person in that bar that has ever been in that bar as compared. And you know how you, your best way to know this is, have you ever been like to a remote or seen a remote where the local news sends out one of those kids to fucking interview people? Yeah. On TV, they just look normal. But when they show up in person, like that's a good looking motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's a good looking gal. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're pretty good looking. Like they're, they're pretty polished. And then you like celebrities are the, the very tippy top of that pecking order. I just feel like people are like, Oh, she's Marco Robbie would blow your fucking socks off. If she walked into a room with the fucking true mid that is around most of us all the time. Yeah. The, anyway, uh, I digress. You do digress. Do you think you could spot her uh, butthole out of a lineup? Well, unfortunately I tell you, I've never seen it. <laughs> um, so probably not breaking but news Colin has never seen Margot Robbie's <laughs> butthole well it's a, it's a it's a crying shame little macaroni says he, <laughs> he ain't got to lie he did it for the money they fit right into American culture I don't know what they fit right into American culture means I don't know how to Sorry, read that I, I don't know if this guy's illiterate or is this some sort of like way that young people talk that I'm just not hip to yet well, Colin, but either way He's, he's saying it's all money. First of all, if he's an Oklahoma fan, yes, he is illiterate. Let's, we know that to be the case. <laughs> Secondly, who cares about money? I mean, the whole fucking college football universe is about money. Everything is about money. 
You know, like this is ridiculous to like think that they're in it for like, well, he just he should go to the best school that has the best professors and he can learn the most from. Fuck that. Well, we don't live in a universe where we pretend that that is true now. It's like in the 1970s where people would just pretend like Rip Taylor and Paul Lind weren't super, super gay, even though it was very, yeah, very clear. Yeah, gay. <laughs> yeah. But and, they uh, lived in a world where we just I'm pretended really- what was in front of your face wasn't the truth. And it's hey like, guys, and I'd like to take this point to just please send in your applications for a youth consultant. Uh, <laughs> just made a reference to the 1970s. Yeah, Paul Lynn uh, and Rip Taylor. Yes, and, and we're not old enough to know what happened in the 70s, thank God. <laughs> but Brennan made that reference. And so it's pretty obvious we're running a youth consultant. Yeah. I, I don't, I, we haven't heard anything from Connor in quite some time. Connor, you haven't outgrown us. You haven't, <laughs> you haven't gotten too old for us yet, have you? And Colin, yeah. I will, I'm going to push back a little bit. People are like, well, I wasn't, uh, you know, that's too old for me. But I wasn't around for this either. But I think it is fair for people to know what happened before they were born. You know, there's like, I I wasn't alive for the Civil War either, but I know what happened. (laughs) Brennan, let's wrap it up with this. Okay. Jeff Bates says, LOL, enjoy irrelevance. Sour grapes. I am enjoying it already. Yeah, yeah. It's been our MO. Yep, yep, we're irrelevant. I just... Well, the one nice thing about being, you know, said, told you're irrelevant constantly is when you beat those teams, as we often do, you get to really rub it in their face. Uh, What it does really, Colin, at the end of the day, is it just injects so much more enthusiasm into this team that wasn't there before. I mean, it it won't impact the season at all, but it injects enthusiasm in a way that we need. And, And it helps dramatically come two weeks from now when we lace them up. Let me ask you this, Brent. Would you be happy with a Drinkowitz four-win season? Would I be happy with a Drinkowitz four-win yes, season? Would you, would you be happy with a four-win season? I feel like you're setting me up here because, no, I wouldn't be happy with that. <laughs> what if I told you that those four wins were Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgia, and Kentucky? No, I, hey, Colin, it would make it infuriating because we would see I'm just the, asking a question. I'm just answering the question, counsel. It would be infuriating because if we could beat those teams, it would show the potential that we have and it was squandered. So, no, I wouldn't be happy. No, I, I agree, but it would be nice. I would love to beat Tennessee. It would be better than, uh, sure, it would be, be better than losing. To, I mean, yeah, it would be better than if our wins came against South Dakota State and Memphis. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, I just I was just thinking about how I'm reading these tweets. I'm just thinking about how sweet it would be to like, beat Tennessee, to beat Arkansas. Yeah, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't walk into your your narrative very well did i well and i mean i don't think the answer is it should be no but i mean if you're gonna only win four games man those would be the four i'd pick yeah i would love to beat tennessee just because they're so full of shit and we have had a good track record against them until Drinkwitz came along and really has ruined that i mean sure (laughs) you can give some credit to josh heupel i suppose but one of the things i've held against eli Drinkwitz is that he has not just lost to tennessee but he'd been humiliated by Tennessee. And just like the Kansas State game last year, reinforced all their preconceived notions about what Missouri was and will always be in their mind. And it's not true. We have beaten them year in and year out. We've beaten Kansas State way more than they beat us. And so when Eli Drinkwitz lays a fat fucking egg against these teams, it's more than just a loss. It's a terrible blow to the psyche of a program and you know the Auburn loss I mentioned what you know Nate Pete's horrible fumble did and it wasn't just Nate Pete there was a string of incomprehensible errors 
<laughs> coached by Eli Drinkwitz that led to us losing that game, clutching defeat from the jaws of victory that have made me down on Eli Drinkwitz. The recruiting is good. The potential is there, but it has yet to be realized. And if it can't be realized this year, I'm out of rope for this guy. I mean, he you got to fucking win, buddy. You're Captain 500. Do something. Let's see it. Two weeks, we lace him up. Let's fucking win. Yes, let's win. <laughs> I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Con, you got time for a little Kansas news? Yeah, and Brendan, I wanted to mention, I don't know if uh, some of the Mazodcast fans from our Twitter profile may have known that I went on the Spurs Up show, which is the basically the Mazodcast. Well, it's more professional than Mazodcast, let's be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the, and a podcast about uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks, and I really need to win that game. Yes. Too, because I said some things that apparently – were just to the South Carolina fans, just egregious, unforgivable sins. Those sins being that both Mizzou and South Carolina are middling programs, that um, we are programs on the same tier, brothers from another mother. I right. thought I was trying to be magnanimous, Brennan. Right. You know what I mean? Like, listen, because I feel like we are on the same footing with South Carolina. If, if there's Mizzou fans listening right now that think we are worlds better than South Carolina, we have not shown that. Now, we have been better than South Carolina for, you know, but... Yeah. Actually, no, we are better than South Carolina, but it's not a huge amount. And that's why I sound being magnanimous when saying we're just sort of on the same tier. I'm like, really, if you go down the numbers, we have been better than them, but we're still battling for an SEC East title, and we are not Georgia and we're not Alabama. Is basically my point that I made. And they they really took offense that we are bottom feeders and that to to be compared to us is ridiculous. It speaks to the same mentality that Arkansas has, where the reality – in the world where people see facts is that we're all fishing in the same puddle for wins, you know, from the same teams and they don't want to believe that, but it doesn't matter. Fuck them. Um, but it would be nice to beat them so that whenever they come after you, you can say like, what was that? What were you saying about South Carolina being so much better than us? Cause fuck off. Oh, I got several, I got several, you know, those tweets are like saving this. Like, oh, if we lose to South Carolina, they're going to bludge me with it. As if beating us one out of the last five times they played us, suddenly some horror makes them better than us and the world's better than us. I mean, not just better. I mean, they, they're offended by the mere notion that Mizzou and uh, South Carolina basically live in the same neighborhood as programs right now. Well, and yeah, they very well may beat us this year. But it doesn't change the fact that just one year ago we pulled down their pampers and spanked their tiny little pink bottoms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We sure did. Anyway, if uh, you guys want to listen to that, uh, uh, you can go to the Spurs Up, you know, Twitter page or YouTube channel or whatever they've got. So we've been doing, we've known those guys a long time, and so mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, we enjoy a, a friendly relationship, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, I told him when we weren't on the air, I was like, you know, one of our biggest fans, Carolina Jackpot, is actually a South Carolina fan. Like he. He pretty well calls without fail, is one of our best callers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, really? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carolina Jackpot is a Mazodcast hardcore, you know? Yeah. No, he, he's he, a lunatic. He did motherfuck us after that South Carolina game, too. <laughs> but it was done with love, Brendan. Sure. That was the most loving motherfuck I'd ever heard. <laughs> and I know what a loving motherfuck sounds like. Sure enough. All right. Let's go on to the important business. Kansas News. You got to give the people what they want. All right. So, Colin, our first story of the day Kansas farmer plants 80 acres of sunflowers as gift to his wife. I think in Kansas. Is that the, that's, might be the worst gift ever. 
it's not. I, I, I can tell you one thing. My wife wouldn't love it. Oh, that's so sort of uh, analogous to uh, Homer Simpson giving Marge Simpson a bowling ball for her birthday. Yeah. Hey, I plant sunflowers for a living. I'm going to give you some sunflowers. She's like, why don't you eat my box for the first time since our honeymoon? You dickhead. <laughs> I'd much prefer that over some fucking sunflowers. That's you right. selfish prick. <laughs> There's a lot of uneaten box in Kansas. Uh, a Kansas man gave his wife, and it's in quotes, the perfect gift for their golden anniversary, 1.2 million sunflowers. Um, he's got 80 acres of land on a farm that, you know, could have grown crops for money for their family. Instead, sure. he grew sunflowers for no reason in particular. The wife said, thanks. I guess. <laughs> so it said their, their love blossomed in high school, but she couldn't date until she was 16. Of course, he was 37. Good Lord. Well. Good Lord. This this takes a very Kansas turn <laughs> right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Yeah, our first date was a roller yes, skate. I know you want to marry our daughter, but you're, she's not allowed to go out on dates until she's 16. <laughs> That's right. First date was to the VFW hall to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> He's a World War II veteran. Uh, fast forward five decades, and the Wilsons have gone viral, proving their romantic gesture resonates with both the intended recipient and the internet. Uh, well, and I appreciate romance. You know, mm-hmm. I've been married a long time and, uh, you know, I, it was a, it was a love affair. I get it. I get it. I, I saw my wife in a bar and I walked up and I just walked right up and said, I want to see where your poop comes from. Yeah. And she said, she looked, she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, put your boner in my word hole. It's <laughs> been a fairy tale ever since. Sure. We know I've heard this romantic story time and again. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it, but the fans haven't. The no, fans but haven't. I know you've, you tell it around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Our parents tear up <laughs> yeah. every time, you know. Every Christmas, I make the kids sit down on the couch mm-hmm. and listen to the story. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, give give my anus a penis. Happy anniversary to the uh, now poverty-stricken couple who uh, could have used that land to plant corn for money. Yeah. Hey, next year, put your, put your word hole on our vagina. It's also much appreciated. Next story, Gardner, Kansas man looking for a robotic lawnmower stolen from his front yard. Okay, well, look, you live in Kansas and you've got a robotic lawnmower. It's going to be stolen and it's going to be whoever stole it is going to have sex with it. That is, I mean, <laughs> you, you know that when you buy this thing, right? Like if you're not sitting on the lawnmower with your gun protecting it, it will be stolen and it will be molested. It's just, it is what's going to happen. I mean, this could take a different turn too, Brennan. I feel like there's like some surely hardcore evangelical Christians that see this robotic lawnmower and just think, no, not, not in this state, mister. Not in this state. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We don't allow that kind of evil. If it's not pulled by a mule, it ain't God's lawnmower. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Kansas man is searching for his robotic lawnmower after he said it was taken from his front yard. If the lawn looks a little long, Watson said it's because his robotic mower was stolen. Put it back. Save me the trouble and the headache. Save yourself the trouble and the headache. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Yes. Who makes the mistake of stealing a robotic lawnmower? It happens all the time where it accidentally falls in the back of your truck. Oh. Happened to me this morning while I was commuting to work. Watson said. It, and a God. <laughs> Watson said the mower cost around $2,000. Well, that's the equivalent of 2000 American dollars. It was 47,000 prairie dog pelts, as we know, is the Kansas currency. Um, sure. On Wednesday, Watson got a geofence alert that his robot was no longer in the yard. He checked the cameras, and he saw why. A man walked up to the mower on the corner of White Drive and Skylark Street near a stop sign and just took it. He was just walking over there, looked underneath, inspected it, I guess, and just took it. 
He said the person looked like they were wearing an Amazon vest, but he wasn't driving a company vehicle. Amazon said they hire people to do contract work on behalf of Amazon, but they don't know if anyone was there working in the area. And if they were, they wouldn't give a fuck. Deal with your own lawnmower. That's right. Get this comment. Jeff Bezos didn't become a multi-billionaire by worrying about your shitty lawnmower. <laughs> he doesn't a- even let people have bathroom breaks, dickhead. That's He's not concerned with your lawnmower. <laughs> Get this, Colin. He said it's the second time a robot lawnmower has been taken out of his yard. <laughs> he goes, it's a brick when it's outside of my house. Um, so I'm sure it's just going to be dumped. Unlike the first mower, Watson said, this one has GPS and it's been on the move. The company said he pinged it in Olathe, Kansas, Wednesday afternoon. So they can see the exact movement of where it's at. If it's going to end up at a pawn shop or if they realize it doesn't work, they might throw it in a creek. While Watson hopes the person will just return the mower, he said the company is sending him a new one, which will promptly be stolen again. And, of course, so raped. I think this speaks to the level of police work in Kansas. They've got a picture of the guy doing it. Mm-hmm. They've got a GPS, and they know where it's at. Unsolvable crime. <laughs> that's right. It's, there's no way to get to the bottom of this. How unsolvable. Yeah, that's true. It's a good, good point, Colin. Kansas man cited for fishing with 9mm pistol. A Kansas man received multiple citations in Finney County when game wardens caught him fishing, quote-unquote, with a 9mm handgun. Details are scarce at the moment, but the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks reports that the officials seized a firearm that was used to successfully take a fish in Garden City, Kansas. A full-size Ruger American handgun has been outfitted with a flashlight in case, you know, the fish didn't start biting until after dark. Game Wardens noted in a Facebook post that it's illegal for Kansans to quote-unquote catch a fish with any type of firearm, and if we're being honest, anyone shooting at fish in the water is more a danger to themselves and others than to the fish, both because it demonstrates a certain lack of judgment and because bullets can ricochet off the water and hurt someone. I don't think that's the problem you got to worry about here. It's just that uh, I'm, I'm guessing the guy was trying to save money on bait. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I just feel like bullets got to be as expensive as bait. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's true. I don't know. I feel like uh, if you're a big true detective fan, I would just go the Matthew McConaughey rate if I were a police officer and just whisper in this guy's he- ear, if you get the chance, you should kill yourself. <laughs> I mean, that you kind of give that advice to everyone from Kansas, right? I think it fits in most places, cases, you know? Yeah. Well, um, Colin, you sent me this because, you you know, as we all know, your intrepid reporting is unmatched. KU student faces animal cruelty charge in dog's death. Ordinarily, I say that if there's a death to an animal or cruelty to an animal or a child, we try to steer away from it because that's 90% of the stories that come out of Kansas. But in this case, it's interesting because, one, he was a KU student, and two, he's accused of sodomizing a dog it's a terrible thing obviously we don't love this we don't want to laugh about a dog being sodomized but i think we should bring up to the fans like the stories we bring you we have to sift through yeah files of this story and much like it to get to just the ones that we feel comfortable using on the show for every robotic lawnmower that's sodomized thousands and thousands of farm animals are also sodomized in kansas yeah yeah. So this Kansas student was uh, charged with felony animal cruelty for uh, making sweet, sweet anal love to a dog. And uh, good lord! So the the Kansas uh, University of Kansas actually expelled him. And but I'm sure it was a hotly debated topic because 
If they expel this guy for sodomizing a dog, what do they do with the thousands of other students who are also well, sodomizing dogs? I, I can tell you what happened here. It's like the guy got caught. And mm-hmm. the, the administration at Kansas University was like, "Is do we have a problem with this? Absolutely not. Do we want a bunch of national media mm-hmm. you know, putting their microscope on our dog butt fucking? No, of course not. No. We're going to throw this guy out. We're going to try to fucking you know, put this fire out right. and just kind of, you know, and everybody can go back to having sex with their Labrador. And as, as long so as the press stays away. Yeah. We just, we, you know, we can, we can marry our dogs. And I'm sure the debate in the Kansas administration was, were there candles lit? Was there romantic music playing? Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, if was in that consensual case, sex between the dog. Exactly. And the so, but you know, that's the debate that took place, not whether it should or shouldn't. Yeah, they're well, and they're not monsters. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh in lieu of football news, Colin brought me that story. Um Well actually and I should I should tell you, Brendan, I someone sent us that. Much of our Kansas news comes from from you, the fans, and we appreciate it and if we don't always mention that uh yeah, Jay Bryan. your story. Jay Bryan's our ch- chief field reporter. Well, he's he's more uh, the sour grapes uh, news desk. Yeah, that's um, right. But um, I, he's, I'm sure he sent us some Kansas news too. This one came from uh, Ozzy. Every man a wildcat is as at every man a wildcat. So shout out to you, our uh, intrepid Kansas news reporter. That's right. Thank you so much for for bringing us that important story that uh, the listeners needed to hear. This has been Kansas news. So, Colin, I'm going to have a quick TJ Mo Douche of the Week award. Sure. Douche of the Week. This Parker Thune, this guy we mentioned earlier, the Oklahoma Rivals guy who uh, had gone all in on Mizzou's new five-star defensive lineman being an Oklahoma guy, um, he had said that – I think part of the reason Mizzou fans went to fucking town on him is he said that Mizzou's chances were dead in the water. And you wouldn't believe the number of dead in the water <laughs> – memes that have been created and sent to this guy, Parker Thune, including um, the my, one of my favorites is the potential fraud iPhone screen with his picture on it. Yeah. Uh, Parker yeah. Thune had it as his lock. That one area was going to uh, Oklahoma instead of Mizzou. And so um, because he said that Mizzou was dead in the water and then he ended up actually signing with Mizzou, I just want to name him the TJ Mo douche of the week. Douche of the week. You okay yeah, with that? Yeah, he's a... Uh yeah, I'm completely okay with him. He's obviously a douche. Yeah. But I want to say anecdotally that uh, if you go to YouTube, you can watch pretty on like ABC or like ABC Channel 17. They'll have some extended highlights of practice. Like you can watch a, quite a bit of practice. It's frustrating because you don't ever get to see the offense and the defense going against each other because they kick the press out for that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, again, completely anecdotal, but I'm starting to worry that the uh, horn's even going to be second straight. Because when I watch those extended practices, because I'm a sicko, yeah, um, I see a lot more reps for <laughs> Garcia uh, than I see for Horn, which makes me think, you know, maybe we're completely off in this. We've been screaming for Horn. He's not even good enough to beat out the second guy, perhaps. I don't know. Again, it's just all just from, like, clips of practice shared on YouTube. But yeah. um, if, there, if there was any context to those clips, it would be, hey, Horn's number three. Yeah. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's, it's unsettling. And like I said, I hope it's because now that Brady Cook's, um, not hurt, he's going to show that tough heart out there. Well, you know, we've got the situation too where we've got Jake Garcia from Miami and I don't know what his expectation is coming to Mizzou. 
it just reminds me of Jack Abrams' situation where it's like, what, what, do, you, what do you expect to happen? Do you think you're going to win the job? Do you just want to milk out one more year of D1 and wear a uniform? Like, Garcia's only a sophomore going into the season, and so theoretically he'd have more time to be a, uh, a starting quarterback too. So I, I assume all of them come to school to be the starting well, quarterback. At least that makes sense. Like the Abraham thing, like they never played him except – when they took snaps from Horn yeah. to let him play <laughs> That's right. for a guy who's going to be in the program for 10 minutes and then he's going to leave. Like he has, there's no benefit to playing him. You know, you could have got Horn more reps. He's going to be here. He's theoretically going to be part of this program. Uh, like I said, it was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Like when you know, basically Horn got one series and I'm like, all right, we got to get the 37 uh, year old backup quarterback. Who's going to be gone in 10 minutes and reps. Yeah. It was, cl- I mean, you get a guy like that. Sure. It's Im- well, I understand why you have him. It's an insurance policy. Multiple quarterbacks can sure. be hurt in a year, but you don't play him ahead of your, you know, red shirting freshman four star kid who you think could be the answer. It's disappointing to hear if porn is so far behind Cook. Not because we don't, I mean, we want the best quarterback on the field, but you just would hope that Horn would be giving Cook everything he could want as far as earning that quarterback spot. And if he's not, then he just ain't what we thought. And it just, t- it speaks to for all the recruiting prowess that uh, Eli Drinkwitz has shown. He just can't get quarterback right. Can't get quarterback right. The most important position on the field. And so, you know, here's hoping that Cook just is yeah. embarrassing us all year long. I'd love nothing more than to just take it from all the yeah. fans saying, you guys were down on Cook for the last two years, and here he is leading us to greatness. Please let that happen. Yep. yep. I'm, we're, we're all pulling for Brady Toughheart. <laughs> Brady Toughheart. We're buying Cook coin. That's where we're at two weeks from now. <laughs> Season starting. And so, uh, Colin, there was one last thing you wanted to mention before we sign off. Oh, I do. I want to say big congratulations to Twink Caleb, famous on this show. Twink Caleb is uh, now a father, Brennan. He had his first child. That's right. A bouncing baby boy. Yeah. Uh, well, excuse me. I didn't mean to assume his gender. That's a right. bouncing baby. Fill in uh, the blank. Uh, yeah. We'll find out. We'll find out at some point. Jackson but, uh, Paxton, I think is his name, right? <laughs> Jackson Paxton Twink. Ja- yeah. Jackson Paxton Twink. That's correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Jackson Paxton Twink. And uh, we're so happy for him. I know that Caleb uh, is sometimes on the show, but always listens to the show. So congratulations, Twink Caleb, for getting the job done uh, by coming in your wife and making a baby. Yeah, that's the way it works. Congratulations on the sex. And also, Caleb loves it when you guys send him tweets and stuff. So just say thank you. Yeah. Or say congratulations to him. Yeah. Um, if you're it, on Twitter and you, uh, and you listen to this show, uh, find, uh, Twink Caleb and, um, maybe we can throw his at, uh, on our Twitter account and just go find him and tell him congratulations and try to engage him in as much conversation as possible. Yeah. I'm trying to find, is he still on Twitter? Oh, I think he told me he got off of Twitter just for this reason because he hates interacting with people. Damn it. <laughs> I was going to say, is he on Instagram? Can we find him should somewhere? I just give, should I just give out a cell phone number on the show? Should I just do that? <laughs> I think that's what that's, he'd want. Let's just do that. Everybody yeah, t- text Twink Caleb directly to his <laughs> yeah. home and uh, say congratulations anyway. on Jackson Paxton. Um, we're going to have to, yeah, anyway, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. We can marry our dogs.